You're listening to the sermon audio from the Shore Church located in North Vancouver. For more information about the Shore, upcoming events, or to donate, you can head to www.theshorechurch.ca. Snake Crusher, the minister of reconciliation that passed on to us, that we might be the minister of reconciliation as well to others in this story of Jesus from beginning to end, is he is the focal point. And that's what I was trying to nail down, that he's the cornerstone, that Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the goal. He's the purpose. He's the plumb line. He is everything. He is the foundation of our faith, that he is all things for us. See, in 1 John 4, we are reminded that God is love and that it is only by his love that we are saved and have eternal life through Jesus. It is Jesus that is the center point. And this passage is revealing what all those before us surrendered to, that all like Noah and Abraham and Moses and David, all had realized so long ago that God truly is loving and he is steadfast in his love as he cares for those around us. In fact, going back to the Ten Commandments that Moses left us with, Jesus sums up in two commands, and we see those two commands in this text this morning. The first four of the Ten Commandments are love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The bottom six of the ten are, is love your neighbor. And Jesus here is summing it up through the passage of John here in 1 John 4, 7 through 12, that, that God through John is summing this amazing text up in loving one another, in loving God because he is love. And so as we jump into 1 John 4, 7 through 12, we've got a lot of application for us this morning, a lot of take-homes that we want, might want to start practicing today, even starting today in this moment. And so let us pray one more time before we jump into this amazing text. Jesus, please prepare our hearts. Prepare our hearts to hear what you are saying. Lord, that we might love the way you've called us to love, that we might love the way you have loved us. And as we've learned even just last week, talking about 2 Corinthians 5, that we are ambassadors, that we, that we are now ministers of reconciliation, the very reconciliation, Jesus, that you, you did for us to the Father, that you are the propitiation of our sins. Jesus, it's all about you. And so help us, out of that, respond with love. Help us be those people. Help us love the way you've loved us, Jesus. And I pray this in your amazing name. Amen. Well, you can see on the screen there the outline for us this morning. We have foundation application assurance. Foundation application assurance. We're going to spend a lot of time in the application part, and I hope my, my prayer is that it will be, it'll be impactful for us, not only in your families, your friends, your neighborhood, your workplace, um, but Lord, may it be uh, for this church. May, may we apply these things to one another deeply. And so let's take number one there, foundation. See, in order to have any form of application, we need a foundation, right? Like we need some form of foundation, whether it be in your home or at the workplace. We need a lens to look through, and that foundation is really important to build. So whether it's at your workplace or at home, like I said, wherever it is, it's incredibly important. In the counseling setting, it's incredibly important to have a foundation to look back to. 
Like oftentimes, if you remember that last week when I drew out for the timeline for the kids, that was a foundational picture that I would draw most often in a counseling setting with people to just constantly go, let's look back to the foundation. The foundation is Jesus. His life, his death, his resurrection. Paul says this is of first importance. Nothing else surpasses this. This is the foundation that we need. And that's again what John is saying here. This is the foundation that we need to go to and the lens that we need to look through. And I'm, there's a lot of parents here. There's a lot of kids. There's now some more grandparents. Uh, Joni and I got to go and visit our granddaughter uh, this last week, and it was such a encouraging. It's a foundation that we can be, begin to now pour into this little girl to point her to Jesus as well. And I'm sure there's foundations that you have set in your home. And oftentimes, if you, to wrap her around, it's, it's love. Like your foundation of love, right? Like that's a good parent to, to point your children to love one another. To not hit your sibling or your mom or your dad, but to love them. This is the foundation that we want to build as parents. And ultimately, in this text that we see, God is love. So ultimately, you're pointing the foundation of God. You're putting God as the authority figure in your home. And that's what we need to do. But the problem is, sin enters in, doesn't it? Sometimes that love is shaken. Sometimes anxiety or frustration comes in, or even anger. But you know the way out of that, out of that disorder, is to bring order, right? Out of disorder is to bring order. And the easiest way to bring order is to bring back that foundation that you've been teaching your children and one another, and what we've been taught here, and to bring love back. And it could be as simple as a, a loving touch, or a hug, or the words, I love you, to bring order back to disorder. And we've experienced this. We know this, right? These things are powerful. To look at someone with in, in, in deep intention and, and, and a deep level of your heart just going, I love you. It changes things. See, verses 9 and 10 are the hug. They're the loving touch. This is the foundation of our Christian faith to go back to verses 9 and 10. But it's not just here. It's, it's actually everywhere. Let me, let me remind you that God has been doing this from before the foundations were laid here for, on this planet. He's been loving us. Like Ephesians chapter 1 says this in verses 3 and 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, this verse is amazing, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He's poured out every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places upon you because he loves you. Even as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Not ours. His will. This is how much God loves us. He's loving us before the foundation of the world. This is huge to even think about this. So this is the foundation that, that John is piggybacking on what Paul said in, to the Ephesian church. John is now saying, take a look at Ephesians, or sorry, First John 4, 9 and 10. This is the foundation of our text. 
In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. The love of God was made manifest of it. Who is he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. It was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. There's our purpose. So that we might live through him. God sent his son so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son with a purpose to be the propitiation for our sins, to appease the wrath of God for us, the minister of reconciliation. The Bible is saying the same thing over and over and over again so that we get it. God loves us. If we remember back in maybe our second, third week of this sermon series of 1 John, we came across 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. That if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Like we need to slow down and just think about this love for a moment. Like just let's talk as a family for a second. Like think about the love of God that he did for us. Like slow your mind down. Like how much he loves you before the foundation of the world that he knew that you're going to be here in this gymnasium hearing about him, singing to him, worshiping him. And the only reason you are doing that is because he's transformed your heart because he loves you. Like that's crazy. He's forgiven all of your sins. He's, he's made you right before the Father. It's, it's amazing love. And this is foundational. This is the foundation that we need to constantly go back to. That Jesus loves you. That he came to die for you. To take your sin penalty. And to rise again that you might too live in him. This is this is crazy love. This is the love that we've experienced. This is the foundation like you would foundationally point your kids back to the love of Jesus. This is of first importance. And this is what we need to start with when we get into the application. This is what God has done for us. He sent Jesus to live for us, to die for us, and to rise again. So now how do we live for Jesus then? This is the application. Take a look at verses 7, 8, and 11. This is the application of the text. Beloved. Remember weeks ago we talked about this word beloved. It is the one that these are the people that I love the most. When you hear that word beloved, I love you the most. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Skipping to verse 11, it says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. See, John is saying, church, if you love God, how in the world can hatred even come into it? Now think about this. I've been thinking long and hard through this week about these things. Like if God loves you, has given his love for you by way of Jesus, filling you with his spirit to remind you of the things that Jesus has taught, 
the only response is love. Nothing else. There's only one response. Jesus has made it incredibly clear for us. Love God, love others. He's been saying this all the way back since Moses. Love God, love others. Over and over and over again. This is our call as followers of Jesus. He says it three times in this text. Love one another. God is love. There is no other response than love for a Christian. This is what we should be doing continuously. Any enemy of yours, God sent Jesus for. Your boss, God sent Jesus for. Your enemy, God sent Jesus for. Your neighbor, God sent Jesus for. So when we wake up in the morning, we look out into the world around us, the grocer, the the barista, the the neighbor walking down the street, the person that cuts you off in in traffic, the the client that you have, the the employees that you work alongside, the, the employer that you have over top of you, Jesus sent them for you to love. He placed you in the very neighborhood for you to love those people for the sake that they might too love him. Like when we start thinking about this and really diving into what the Bible is calling us to, it's a simple text of just going, love them. I put them there for you to love. See, 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. He has spread his church out into all nations that we might love them, point one another back to him. This is the ministry of reconciliation. This is the ministry that we've been given. This is the call of evangelism. This is the call of discipleship. Love is the responsibility and the right response from the covenant of love that you have received. Love is actually, like I've been saying, is the only right response that we are to give to another and to God. That's the only right response. There is no other response. Any other response that we have, hatred or anger or frustration towards another is a self-motivated, evil heart response. It's not what God has created you to be. He's created you to love your neighbor, love your enemy. That's the right response. Any other response out of love is an evil, motivated response to get your own comfort, your own satisfaction of some sort, to appease some form of hurt, to be God of your own kingdom. Any other response outside of love is this. See, think about it. Jesus tells us to love our enemies, to turn the other cheek, to carry our cross, to not revile those who revile us. It's everywhere in the scripture. To practically live this way sounds incredibly easy when it's on paper. Love your neighbor. But we know it's incredibly hard because it's so easy and it feels so good to slander our neighbor. It's so easy to. And it feels good to elevate ourselves, doesn't it? So how do we love? What are some practical ways that we can practice this week, even today? 
when we leave this gym or even after the gathering, when we just stick around and hang out with one another and clean up and, and just love on each other? How can we, what are some practical ways that we can do? Well, I, I stole this from Paul Tripp in his book, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands, and it's four easy ways that we can love one another. And we talked about this in our training back in September, but I'm going to kind of give you a quick overview of this, but it's entering into the other person's story. It's incarnating in the love of Christ. It's identifying with suffering. And it's accepting with an agenda for change. So let's take the first one. Enter into the person's story. Church, we must wake up every morning ready to salute our king. Ready to bow our knee as servants, as slaves of our master. There's no way we have the right to do anything other than just to serve him and to love him because of who he is. He's God. We're not. And so our right response to a holy, almighty, all-powerful, all-loving God is to love him and to love his commands, to love his statutes, to love his law, to love his word. And every morning, our call is to love him by way of entering into other people's stories that we have been placed in front of. That's how we love. And this is the second command that we've been given. Will we get this wrong? Heck yeah. We're going to get this wrong every single day. Absolutely, because we have a fleshy side to us. But this is why we need to go back to the foundation. This is why I started with the foundations, verses 9 and 10. We need to constantly be looking through the lens of Jesus. So that we have an example of how to love. And Jesus gave us a perfect example of how to love through his life that he lived for us. See, when our kids mess up, we we go back to the foundation. When our boss messes up, we go back to the foundation. When the person cuts us off in traffic, we go back to the foundation. This is for Jesus. I am doing this. I'm sacrificing my wants, my needs, my desires, my felt needs for the sake of Jesus, to glorify him, not myself. So ways we have set up opportunities to love here at the church. Just some practical ways that we've set up here. And, 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 and I want you to think about this week of some practical ways that you can set up in, in actually your home. Or what can you think about as a follower of Jesus Christ this week? What can you practice? And how can you enter into people's stories? See, just simple things of what we set up in, and this is not a shock to many of you because you're, many of you are regular attenders here. And so you see it on the newsletter. 9.15 a.m. prayer and come and fellowship. That's one way to fellowship and enter into people's stories. To come early. To come as if maybe church starts at 9.15. That's maybe coming at that time. And to come and enter into each other's stories, to get to know one another, to pray for one another, pray for the church, the gathered church, that this is an amazing day. Sunday morning, we get to gather as a community of brothers and sisters. And we prayed for China this morning, right? Like we prayed for China. I'm sure they're to go to an underground church. We've never faced this. It's amazing. But we've, we, we have all kinds of excuses, and I'm, I'm in there with you, right? 9.15 a.m., that's, that's early, Jer. You, you call me to love that way? No, I'm not calling you to love that way. 
I'm saying here's an opportunity to love your neighbor the way God has called us to. To put away your wants, your needs, your desires for the sake of loving a community of believers. It says, beloved, let us love one another. It's not me saying that. That's the word of God. Other ways we've set up here is community groups. To get involved in a community group, to share your story, to be open and honest with what you are battling with throughout the weeks that others might get to enter into your story, that they might be able to love you and practice this love towards one another. Or community events. I'm excited about one in in August, by the way. Little uh, mini golf tournament. I already bought the trophy. It'll be fun times. So community events is to get to know, to, to, to lay down some of the walls and just, just to be yourself and to love one another in this community. Bible studies, prayer meetings, to come every Monday evening that from 8 to 9 and just to fellowship with one another. And man, just to, for you, I do a hard stop at 9 and we're walking out the door, not more than 9.05, just because I want to honor the people that are hosting but man, the McKinney's and the Combs are so faithful, opening up their home into fellowship and to offer this loving community that we might pray, pray for the church with one another. In, in the members class, I, I've shared this and, and I challenge our members. I've been challenging our members. Actually, if you look back and remember back from day one that we might be actually getting to know one another, inviting one another over to our homes whether it be on a Sunday afternoon or a Sunday evening or throughout the week, that we just get to know one another. Enter into people's stories. Play games with them. Have some fun. Get to know. Ask good, hard, and deep questions for one another. And I'm sure you can think of many, many more. Those are just some that we've set up here as a church that we want to enter in. We want to be a church that loves one another. That is my prayer for us that we love one another and that that love for one another will be a sign to the people around us and the communities around us. So how do we enter into people's stories? Well, we make others the priority over ours. Right? We see this already in verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another. This is talking about the church. This is an agape type of love. This is an active type of love. This love that is talked about here. It's an act of love. It's a, it's a lasting love. It's a lasting command to love one another. And this is talking about the church. The church, we ought to just exude love for one another. That we can't wait to get back to Sunday or to community group. Like it's, it's one of those things that it's like, man, this is on my calendar for a reason. And I'm putting everything else aside because of this. This is how we love one another. As we're called to in the scripture. So we must enter into one another's stories by not talking at them, but listening to them. By asking good questions. By engaging. By really listening and intently wanting to know what their life is all about. It's so cool just walking around here and seeing my daughter walking around. She just had her first baseball game and she's swinging her hands around. And and it was so cool just to see some of the men because she loves hanging out with the guys come up to her and go, oh, you're playing baseball. When are you playing baseball? And asking her questions. As a father, that, that's so encouraging to me because she's my daughter. But as a pastor, watching 
the men go and take an interest in someone and ask questions is incredibly encouraging. We know how to do this already. It's just to practice in it with everybody. So we listen. We ask open-ended questions. We seek clarity and we care deeply about what we hear to the point where we go, man, I really love talking to them. And the more you do that, the more you, you, you practice it, right? So the first one is enter. second one is incarnate the love of Christ. In order to do this well, we must know what Jesus has done for us. In order to incarnate the love of Christ, we, we need to go again, going back to the foundation of what Jesus did for us. His life, his death, his resurrection. And this is our foundation. We, we, we just covered the greatest historical event in, in all of history, covering Easter. And, and that story, when you think about it, what did Jesus do? How did he love us? And what was that love like? Like asking these type of questions is really important as you, as you remember the cross and you remember the resurrection. What was that like? like what, what was he going through? And there's four or five things that really I want to cover really quickly. It was costly. It was unconditional. It was intentional. It was active and it was selfless. This is how Jesus loves us. His love is costly. To love like Jesus will cost you time. It will cost you your felt needs. It will cost you your throne. Laying your life down for the sake of another. It is costly and unconditional. We cannot love unconditionally the way Jesus can love us, but we can practice this by way of reaching out even when we don't want to. Right? When it's uncomfortable for us. And that's what Jesus did. Like It was incredibly uncomfortable, I'm sure, to walk to the cross knowing that his, his, his next few days were going to be pain, but he did this for the sake of you and I. He did this for the sake of the disciples. He did this for the sake of the world. And we can practice this by reaching out as well. Again, this is a laying down of our desires for the sake of, of loving another the way Jesus loves us. Thirdly, it's intentional. This is the type of love that we need to be intentional with. It's a choice of the will. To be intentional, to go, no, th- like I want to do this. I want to intentionally do this now. This is the type of love that Jesus was. He, he even said at the, at the, in the garden, like, Lord, if, if at possible, please take this cup of wrath from me. But with intention, I know I need to take it for the sake of the world to pay for their sin. We need to be intentional as well for the sake of the gospel message, for the sake of being a minister of reconciliation to share the good news of Jesus. I need to be intentional in how I love my neighbor because they're most likely not going to come and talk to me about Jesus. It is costly, it's unconditional, it's intentional, and it's also active. Love is never inactive. It is always on the move. Love serves the needs of others. Right? We go after it, right? We go and, and buy the card. We go buy the flowers. We make a meal. It's active. It's active knowing the needs of the person in front of you and going in and delivering that need. It's an active, not a passive thing. It's an active thing. And, and inviting someone into your home is, is an incredibly big deal. They're coming into your personal space. You're opening up your life to them. You're sharing the things that maybe you want to keep behind a closed door, but yet you need you know that Jesus did this active type of love for me, and and I need to practice this as well. 
See, love serves the needs of others. And if we enter one another's lives well, we will actually know what they need without even asking them. And that's the beauty of it, isn't it? Don't you feel more loved when someone actually delivers something for you rather than someone asking you what you want? When you actually just go, I know that you need this. Here you go. That's love. That's an act of love. That's a knowing love. That's a, that's a Jesus-like love. So it's costly, it's unconditional, it's intentional, it's active, and it's selfless. Look at Philippians 2, verses 1 through 3. This is another command that we see in the Scripture. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, this is going back to the foundation of Jesus Christ for us, complete my joy by being of the same mind then. Practice what I've practiced. Having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. This is, this is a big deal. This is hard. This is looking at someone and going, I need to lower myself to, that I might serve them and be a servant rather than a taker. It's exactly what Jesus did for us. It's a beauty type of love. And the cool thing about all this love that we're talking about, the love that we see in 1 John 4 and continuing, it's not from us. This is, this is God-given. Remember the little passage, in, it's not on the screen, but in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, we see the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, right? But that first one, love, this is a gift from God. How you are now loving someone is God's spirit within you living it out through you. He's allowing you to partner with him to do this ministry. It's incredible. It's incredible. Incarnate the love of Christ towards others. Thirdly, identify with suffering. In Romans twelve fifteen, we see rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Come alongside those that are hurting. Come alongside those that are hurting. Even just this morning, we have a friend that just passed away from cancer early this morning that breathed her last. And kids, three children standing by her side, her husband of 33 years, standing by her side, watching her breathe her last. And we have someone in this gathering that's related. Do we know this? Are we walking alongside them? Are we caring for them? This is identifying with suffering. What would that feel like for me? What would I desire to have? What, how can I then serve them? What, not just what I would like, what would they like? What would be most loving to them? Like, there's a story like for Jody and I, it's a little bit disgusting, but I want to share it anyways. All right, I'm, I'll keep it general. All right, so to get to know one another, we need to know and how to identify. And so when Jody and I first got married, you know, it's inevitable that one of us is going to get sick. And that was me the, for the very first time. And I got sick and I was throwing up. This, that's the girl's part. I was throwing up in the bathroom and Jody comes running into the bathroom because she hears me. I'm not quiet when I throw up, very loud. And so she starts rubbing my back. You know, I was like, instead of reacting like, oh, thank you, sweetie. I was like, get off of me. 
right? Like it was like, don't touch it. Like that's the worst thing you could actually do for me when I'm feeling sick. She didn't know that because that was the first year within our marriage and she had no idea. She's never seen me sick before. This is what she did for, she wants me to do for her. So she was like, I guess I should do this for him. But we never had that conversation before until then. And so now I'm sitting before the toilet and uh, she's crying in the bedroom and I'm going, oh my goodness, now I got to go and console my, ah, right? And more sickness is coming out. And so I realized very quickly, I was like, oh, I could have responded differently. But there's one of those things, I'm telling this story because we need to know how to love one another. And the only way you can love one another is going back to entering into their stories and asking all these intimate questions of how their life is, how they respond to different things and how I can love them and what is the most way you receive love and how can I do this for them and incarnate the love of Jesus now when they suffer and that is coming church. There's going to be seasons of suffering for each one of us and do we know how to love our neighbor and identify with the suffering that they're facing? Incredibly important. How are we identifying with suffering? Fourth, we accept with an agenda for change. The agenda for change is not our agenda for the person in front of you, but it must be God's agenda. And God's agenda is that we become more like him. And so are we partnering with the will of God that we might help someone get, become more like him? And that's 2 Corinthians 3.18. We see it, it says, We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So this is sanctification. This is becoming more like Jesus every single day. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And he's, he's asking us to partner with him to help that we might love our neighbor, not that they would love us more, but that we love our neighbor, that they will love Jesus more. That's the whole goal. That's our purpose, to lay down our lives that we might love our neighbor, that they might love Jesus more, that we constantly point to him. That's the beauty of love. That's, that's marital love. That's your roommate love. That's loving your boss. It's I'm loving them that they might love Jesus more. That's the goal. And that's the foundation and the application. Let me close with the assurance of Christ in us now. Verse 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. His love is perfected in us. See, the big idea is that we love one another. That's the story of us. Out of this text, it's the foundation is 9 and 10 that Jesus does it all for us. And the application is 7 and 8 and 11, where we now go and love. Out of this love that Jesus gave us, now we go and love our neighbor. And here's the assurance of our salvation. is the promise that we are being perfected. Like we're not there yet, but on, we're on the way. Loving others is a sign of our sanctification. So when we love the way Jesus has called us to, that's a sign that you are assured in Jesus that you're saved. When you love your neighbor for the purpose that they love Jesus more, you know without a shadow of a doubt that you are saved by Christ. It's a beautiful sign, is it not? 
that I used to hate this neighbor, but now I love them. I want to tell Jesus to them. That's a sign of your sanctification. That's a sign that you are saved eternally. See, loving your neighbor is a sign of our sanctification, but it's also a sign of our assurance of salvation. And in John 13, 35, it's just an amazing text of Scripture. It says, By this, by this type of love, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus is saying this in, in the book of John. He's, he's saying this. He's, he's walking with his disciples and going, if you love each other, you realize that the world is going to see that type of love and be attracted to it. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples because of your love for one another. Beloved, let us love one another. See, love is an endless topic. I want, to sh- I want to share this one last quote from Jonathan Edwards, and then we'll close. See, Jonathan Edwards divides love into love of complacency and love of benevolence. He says this, Complacency would be, I love pizza. In other words, I find myself pleased by the qualities I find in pizza, namely its taste. That would be love of complacency. Or you, you might love a place or a, or a country or lots of things. You, you could say you love them because they are lovely. They are pleasing to you. Whereas the love of benevolence, the giving of yourself, the love of benevolence is not based on the loveliness of the object of the love, but rather your goodwill, your benevolence, your goodwill toward the person or the thing that you are loving. Your aim in that kind of love is to do good, to bring about something beautiful, not respond to beauty. So it doesn't matter the object of their beauty. It's like I'm going back to what I already said, but it's like I'm loving this out of the benevolence of my heart because of why? Because God loves me with everything he had. He sent his son to die for me, to pay the penalty that I deserve so that I might feel and be reconciled back to the Father. And he goes, now I want you to love that way. And so benevolent love of what I've received, now I pass on to my neighbor for the very purpose, not that I might be loved, but that Jesus might be loved more. That's the type of love that we are to to love. And so church, may we be benevolent in our love towards one another, towards our children, towards our neighbors, towards our friends this week. And starting today, Let's change. Let's be sanctified. Pray that the Holy Spirit would transform your heart that you might love rather than hate, that you might love rather than be discouraged, or that you might love rather than having this fracture relationship with the person before you. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for how you loved us. I thank you for the foundation that you've given us in these verses. Lord, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us. Jesus, we thank you. you th- we thank you that you came, that you, you came, that, that even John, was the disciples, they heard, they touched, they felt, they, they heard you proclaim, and now they proclaim to us through your word. Because you are love. And then you came, Jesus, 
into the world so that we might live through you. And so help us live through you today and not stop for tomorrow, but live for today and throughout the days to come. That we might remember that you are our propitiation for our sins, that you appease the wrath of the Father, that we might, that, that we might give grace to those that as we've given, been given grace by you, that we might forgive those who have harmed us, that we might, that we might love and, and flee and run from temptation because that our response ought to be love. So help us, Lord, live this out this week. Help us as a church love one another as you've called us to. That we might enter into one another's stories, that we might incarnate the love of Jesus, that we might identify with suffering, and that we might accept one another with an agenda for change, that they might love Jesus more. Not me, but they might love Jesus more. So help us love that way. And I pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Thank you.